All right, with the uh, success of the outdoor game, and uh, JB, did you see the way St. Louis went to the game? Shorts, mm-hmm. flip-flops, beachwear. Looking good, man. They were looking real good. So that just uh, made a lot of sense that uh, Liam McHugh and his team at uh, TNT would do the same. Liam, thanks for joining us. It's good to be on, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, this new gig is is very different. I come in and I'm like, hey, I have an idea. It might be great. It might be the dumbest idea in the world. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, you had us a great. We didn't hear anything else after that. What do you need to make this happen? We're putting it on national TV. So uh, it, it, it's uh, I got a lot of uh, you know willing partners in this too. I, you know, it doesn't take a lot of arm twisting to get biz to be like hey i'm gonna have you barely dressed walking in to the studio to open the show he's like done got it that's amazing nice touch yeah Yeah. well listen we appreciate you coming on i i'm curious to hear how it's been like you know not just your show but like is there pressure to try to be like inside the nba is there you know are you guys free to do your own thing it does feel like you guys have a lot of creative uh Hey, it's room to do what you want to do on that show. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of creative freedom. And I think uh, the only pressure we have is the pressure we're sort of putting on ourselves to make a show that we'd want to watch. Um, and I think that's the important thing where I think, you know, I've been parts of shows where the shows have been successful or shows have been good and they've been clean and crisp. But I don't know if they'd necessarily be the type of show that I would tune into every single time it was on. And I think that's what we want here. We want to give people a reason to watch every single time that we're on every Wednesday. And then, you know, in the spring, it's going to be more than that because you're going to see something a little bit different. And uh, we're going to take risks. We're going to try new stuff. It's not always going to work. Uh, But there isn't there's not a pressure to match what's going on with the NBA show, because if the idea was just to do what they did, I think every sports show would just try to do that, but it's impossible to replicate. But the biggest part I think is just chemistry. And we, you know, it's strange to say we had a lot of natural chemistry, all of us. We didn't all know each other before. We kind of vaguely knew each other. Obviously I knew Anson because I worked with him for a while, but it's a great group. And, you know, you have people who are just willing to go out and do different things But at the same time, you know, we can pivot. Like if something serious happens and we got to really talk about, we dive into it. We're not shying away from any of that either. Well, you just mentioned uh, chemistry and, uh, you know, whether it's Biz or Talk or Gretz, Anson, we've had everybody on our show and and we know the biggest strength besides of their their experience is their ability to to show personality here. Uh, You came from NBC uh, when you're when you're thrust into that, uh, is it like a free agent signing? It takes a while to kind of feel out the the, the pros or the strengths of everybody. How long did it take before you said, uh, "All right, this is this is in rhythm now"? You know, we did some stuff over the summer, just you know, like a few audition rounds, and uh, you know, obviously I knew Anson well. I knew Talk a bit. You know, we had some like a few long conversations. Um, but I didn't know it would be kind of like this crisp of a relationship. Biz, I didn't really know at all. I mean, I obviously knew his work, um, and he knew mine, but we didn't know each other. But over the summer, we met, and we're doing this sort of like audition round, and we're going through some highlights, and 
uh, biz in the middle of the highlight says like, oh, like, uh, is that guy's name uh, Wah or Roy? Because I'm pretty sure I butchered it. And I was like, no, you got it wrong. I was like, you, you completely said the wrong word. And so we stopped. And, the, you know, the audition's still going on. And he's just sitting there staring at me. And I'm staring at him. And I was like, well, uh, I guess for one of us, thanks for coming in. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And then we just started like, so what are you doing this summer? Chatting. And the whole audition's going. It's rolling. You know, third panelist is looking at us like we're crazy. And at the end of it, Turner was like, that's kind of what we're looking for. Like, you know, we're not looking for you to make mistakes, but like, there's no, oh no, this is uncomfortable. It's more like, can we embrace the cringeworthy moment to make it funny for everyone rather than it just be horribly uncomfortable for everyone? And that's what I knew right away with Biz. I was like, this is going to be great because uh, I embrace the chaos. I enjoy everything about my life is somewhat uncomfortable. So why not be uncomfortable on air? So <laughs> how have you evolved over the years? Because you've been doing this for uh, a long time now, but you're still a young guy. Uh, do, do you feel yourself changing in any way uh, over the years, being involved with the NHL, and now you guys are uh, having you know, such a great opportunity? For me, it's, uh, it's definitely just a comfort level. You know, when I got involved in covering the NHL, uh, I was definitely not – you know, a hockey first guy. I was, you know, an American sports broadcaster and I, you know, grew up as a hockey fan, but I'd covered all different sports and uh, hockey was probably a little bit further down on the list of the things I'd covered just because of where I'd lived. You know, I live in the Midwest. I uh, covered a ton of college football. Um, so it's really just the comfort level now where things are thrown at me. You know, I, I know the game, I know the league, I know the players and that's that's the biggest difference, you know, where we can just conversate really easily. Um, and I think the difference now for us um, and for me is we're getting a lot of interviews during the show. And I think the players are as comfortable with us as we are with them. And, you know, you guys know it, it's not always easy with the guys in the league this, you know, these days to get a ton of personality in these interviews, especially when it's like, Hey, puck drops like five minutes away. Can we chat with you? Oh, sure. <laughs> Let me stop right here in the middle of my warm up and, you know, give you a great anecdote. Uh, but we've gotten that buzz going now where guys know they're coming on the show. They're going to get some questions that are a little bit out of left field. They expect that and they roll with it. And because of that, we've gotten some better answers and we've gotten some guys to open up. And we got McDavid talking about commercials. We got, uh, you know, Crosby talking about things that are, uh, you know, definitely things that not he, you know, things that he certainly did not expect to be talking about. And people now expect it. And because of that, I don't know. I, I just, I'm hoping we're able to present a different side. Liam, the, the draw with especially TNT uh, was, I, I guess, to take maybe hockey now and, and see if they can turn it into, you know, something, especially with you guys and such the, some of the biggest names, uh, we know the success of, of the basketball with uh, Shaquille and, and Barkley, but is that a bit of a, a double-edged sword where it's great that maybe TNT wants to go there, but is that's an awfully high bar. And I mean, for you guys yeah. to now uh, turn into that, and do you feel that pressure to – to take this panel and turn it into that type of eyeballs? Because while, you know, while that would be great, I mean, it's sometimes it is like pulling teeth to get stuff out of the hockey players uh, mm -hmm. compared to basketball players for 
for optimal personality. Yeah, I mean, I think a perfect example is really what happened this week in Edmonton, right? Um, you know, you get a coach calling out a goalie and then a goalie saying, hey, I really appreciate you throwing me under the bus the other night. That's like three times a day in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Something like that happens. Right? Meanwhile, it happens in the NHL, and we're like, oh, my God, let's grab onto this because this never occurs, and we now need to talk about it. Thank God we have something like this. Uh, yeah, I, I don't worry, and maybe I should, uh, I don't worry about the eyeballs. I, I, I really don't. I feel like if we do a good enough show and an entertaining show, uh, we're going to get an audience, and we're going to get an audience that really wants to return. Uh, and I, I also understand, you know, this is the U.S., and we are never going to get the eyeballs that basketball gets. And that's just a simple fact of it. The, the game is growing. Yeah, that's right. But every kid does not grow up playing hockey. Every kid at some point in America grows up and plays basketball. They played it in gym. They played outside. They played somewhere. It's just not the case with hockey. So you're just not going to get those numbers ever. Um, and I think I've gotten to a point, you, know, you talk about like growing in your career. I, you know, I, I think I've gotten to a point where I have a pretty good idea of when a show's good or not. Um, and I know it when I'm in the middle of it sometimes, which is not always the greatest thing. But <laughs> I think, what I want to do is, and it's funny, this, but a buddy of mine said this to me when he was like 17. He was working in a deli, and he said, you know, the guy who owned this deli told me that when I was making a sandwich, I should make a sandwich I want to eat. He goes, and then the customer will be happy. I'm at the point now, I'm trying to make a show that I want to watch and that will entertain me, and I'm hoping that that works and it entertains people and it brings them back. So I'm not worried about ratings. I'm sure other people are, but uh, I, I, at this point, I can't do that anymore. Is there much of a, a difference between uh, what was available to you and offered to you between NBC and uh, and now at TNT uh, in terms of what the NHL provides you with, in terms of what the actual uh, employer offers to you guys? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some differences. I mean, I, I can tell you, just because we were at NBC and they did hockey for so long, um, things were things are really crisp and really easy. Like, hey, I need this piece of video now, and it's from 15 years ago, and NBC's like, here it is. Boom. Right. You know, at Turner, that's just not the case. We don't have the library. We don't have the access to it at this point. Um, but I would also say that, you know, I, and I love my time at NBC and I learned a lot. Um, you know, doing shows sort of like cleanly and crisply was very important and it should be like, you want to be accurate. And we still, we strive for that obviously at Turner as well, where you want the show to be clean. You want it to be crisp, but I'm not going out there trying to pitch a perfect game um, because I want the real moments here. And I'm not going to worry if something doesn't go as planned. I just want to roll with it. And I think at Turner, that's sort of the DNA, you know, where it's like, hey, no one's faking having fun here. Not that we were at NBC, but like if you're having fun, the audience will have fun as well. And I think it's just more of an attitude and a vibe uh, that we get here. And I would say that, you know, for me, I did a bunch of sports at NBC. You know, I did everything. And I worked constantly, and it was great. Now, at least for right now, all I'm doing at Turner is hockey, which is cool because I get to really focus on it and probably annoying for everyone I work with because I'm constantly hitting them up with ideas when in the past I was too busy to do that. But it's, it's fantastic to be able to focus on the sport that I, you know, I really embrace and I really love right now. So for me personally, that's the difference where it's one sport, not one of many. Liam, with your uh, football stadiums at 60,000 and the rinks at 18,000, 
you look at us here in Canada and go, are we really next door neighbors? Uh, it was it was hard last night, you know, when we had our game, and then you know we're showing highlights of yeah. that that Leafs Oilers game. I mean, it, it's such a contrast, and it, it does. It feels like you know you're taking that huge step back to that place that you hope to never return to. And I understand it all. I get it. And I'm sensitive to it all. But it is rough, especially when you have a game like that where you have some of the best players in the world. One of them is not playing because of COVID protocol. So he's not in the game. It already loses some cachet. Uh, but it's hard to see. You know, you're hearing the puck against the boards and it's echoing. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's depressing in many ways. Um, you know, but I, I do understand it. I want people to feel safe and I want them to be happy. But more than anything, like I'll tell you, those I spent a lot of time in empty stadiums because I did football last year, and I went to a, a whole bunch of them, and there was no one there, and it's rough and it's depressing, uh, you know. So my hope is that this wave passes as soon as it possibly can. We can get fan, fans back in there because uh, you don't realize how much you miss it uh, until it's not there. And I don't know. It, it was, yeah, the contrast was definitely stark last night. Well, uh, let's just hope uh, it's sooner than later. Uh, well said, uh, Liam. We really appreciate your time. Say hi to the guys for us. <laughs> you got it. I absolutely will. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. Liam McHugh, host of the NHL on TNT. They're doing a terrific job down there. They are. It's a busy panel, right? You have five guys on there some nights. You talk and Gretz and Bissonette and like it's, well, a, it's a big Anson's on there. Like – you know, the thing is, as he just mentioned, he, he didn't grow up a hockey guy. He's middle America. Can you imagine, like, the, working with those guys constantly and in pre-meetings or actually during the game or post to constantly have those guys as resources to educate yourself? I can't, it's, it's phenomenal to have that type of experience. Talk yeah. it, Gretzky, even, you know. Biz, uh, with his knowledge of role players and, and how that plays out, uh, God, it's like a, it's got to be like a time warp, uh, figuring out, you know, the ins and outs and the details of the game. Yeah, but what's so cool too, Kipper, is like, I think when you're Wayne Gretzky and you're Rick Tockett and you're all these guys that have had great NHL careers, you take for granted that people know and understand certain things about the game that maybe the average fan doesn't. And I think having Liam steer the ship, he's probably aware of some questions that people might have that, you know, the, the analysts take for granted that they don't know the answers to. So he's sort of uniquely positioned to know what's important in hockey and know what's important to get to the fan who wouldn't even know what questions to ask. So I've been uh, got a few things here. First of all, you guys mentioned Tockett, and I saw yesterday. Did you know that Rick Tockett's the all-time leader in Gordie Howe hat tricks with 18? You know, I recently came across that set, and Gordie Howe has two, right? Yeah, but that's badass. Yeah. All-time leader in Gordie Howe hat tricks is a big time. Uh, that's a great set record to have. How many uh, did Fred Perlini have? Uh, penalty well, minutes. I wanted to say. The penalty <laughs> minutes is the one that gets me on Rick Tockett. I think it's over 2,000, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure Sammy can just pull it up. Right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking a guy that uh, 40, 50 goals, I think, one year, 50. We're close. 47. 
in probably like 200 penalty minutes. <laughs> yeah, his PIMS just under 3,000, Kipper. 2,972. Wow. Like, think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, right? I love it. Yeah, no yeah. wonder he was the all-time leader in Gordie House. Uh, the second thing is somebody said, texted in and said, hey, tell Kipper thank you for mentioning my dear cousin Rick Farah. So you made someone really happy with that reference, Kipper. Nice. And the next, and the next thing is a bunch of guesses about the coach on the text line. And this one's from Jimmy. And I, looking at it, I think he's right. He said the coach was Rick Lee. No, I screwed Rick. that up. No, I did. Rick Lay No, Rick you didn't. Lee? No, it's Rick Lee. It would be okay. Rick Lee, head coach. Yeah. Uh, I think he was both in Hartford. I think he was the head coach one time, but maybe not with Brian Lawton, but that makes sense. Yep, because he Lee, was the yeah. head coach. I'm just looking it up right now here. My The enter button on my computer is busted, which is very annoying. <laughs> um, it's not like it's an important key or anything. You're, you're, you're uh, the producer on the show. i got to get back you in can't... studio, boys. <laughs> I'm falling apart at home. No, uh... Yeah, he was the head coach of the Hartford Whalers. In uh, He was an assistant in 81, 82, and then he was the head coach in 90, and then he went to the Leafs in 99. So there you go. So that's probably yeah. right. And that guess was from our boy. This is this Jimmy. The coach was Rick Lee. Okay, thanks, Jimmy. All right, props to that's Jimmy. That's it. That's it. We'll, get, uh, we'll send uh, lots of note there to put the – the stamp of approval on, on Rick Lee. Okay. Story that's uh, made a lot of news in the last little while is uh, the exclusion of NHL players in, in the Olympics and where they go from, uh, from here. Uh, we bring in Corey Hirsch, NHL analyst, retired NHL goalie, and overall a great guy. Hirsch, how, how, how's it going, pal? Hey, it, it's going good. You know, usually when people call me a great guy, they're like, great guy, and then they finish it with when he's sleeping, right? I mean, <laughs> that's typical like, when they finish it. But hey, I didn't even I didn't even mention silver medalist. <laughs> no, you did not. And I, uh, you know, like, yeah. What about uh, Frank, um, roster member of the Stanley Cup champions? I got to yes. out of the cup. Yeah, but I really didn't do anything. <laughs> Except oh. for watch. I'll I'll get into that. I'll get into into that oh. a little later. Um, oh good. Oh good. Oh yeah. I don't know if JB knows that story, but uh, we'll share that with him. Uh, <laughs> as far as this overall, um, I don't think we're going to hear the last of the NHL players. We heard of Brad Marchand uh, come out publicly uh, last week, uh, but just the overall thought of, of no NHLers and what that means to the, the new list that we heard the other day, your thoughts overall. Yeah. You know what? It was back when nobody had seen the NHL guys go, right. It was cool because it was like, Hey, you know, you're cheering for the young guys, the underdogs, and nobody could compete with the Russians. And, um, you know, and if they could beat them, it would be the, the greatest thing ever. Now it's all changed now. It's all completely changed. Once the NHL players went, um, you know, even myself, uh, I want to see the NHL. I want to see the best on best. And I'm, I was the last year that it was more amateurs. So it's a little bit, I wouldn't say it's disappointing. I'm happy for the guys that get to go because it's an experience that they may never, ever have gotten. However, um, you know, I, I mean, how cool would it be to see, you know, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby playing Austin Matthews? And so it's it's all changed. So it's a bit, I don't want to say it's 
it's disappointing or that it's bad or anything any other way. It's just different now. And I'm happy for the guys that are going. I hope people support them and watch them, and I hope they get opportunities. Um, but it's just it's never going to be the same once the NHL guys went. Um, and I, I'll ask you guys this. When did it, it didn't really change, I guess, Nagano. Like it probably really changed um, maybe Salt Lake City uh, mm-hmm. when it just kind of that group. Like Nagano was, we all watched, and it was kind of like, yeah, you know, the guys kind of wanted to be there. They were kind of like, eh. But I think where it really changed, I think it was Salt Lake City. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but what do you guys think? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. Canada wins a wins gold medal, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, "This is a thing we care about." Yeah. Suddenly, suddenly we've made right? this a huge priority. It's uh, it is funny how it has really vaulted up the list of important things to accomplish in your NHL career. Is you know for for the best players being there, you know I. I, I'm fascinated by a, a lot of the the work you do, and you've got a, a podcast now that you know deals with athletes and mental health, and um, you know you're doing such good things for the sport and sports in general. I wonder when you look back at those days of your playing career, it, when mental health was less discussed and and sort of less, I guess, more taboo to discuss. Do you look at recognize that there were players that might have been having a hard time that? You know, boy, when I look back, like, yeah, these guys were going through the same things. We just didn't talk about it then. Yeah, you know what? The numbers are, are one in five right now. I bet you there's three uh, people that struggle. Those haven't changed. Those haven't changed. Those have been around for years and years and years. Um, so back then, absolutely. You look at guys that, and Kip, you, you know, you might even have guys that drank hard. Guys that fought that, you know, were, and we used to just go, ah, that's just them. Well, guess what? There was a reason that they were boozing. There was a reason that they were, um, you know, self-medicating. But we didn't know any better. We didn't want to get in anybody's business. And they weren't going to go get help. There was no chance because you, it was so competitive. And if you did, heaven forbid, um, you know, you would just get shuffled down the line and people would kind of be like whispering about you and you'd get just you'd get buried. Um, that's why I didn't say anything, and I still didn't even say anything after I was diagnosed because of being afraid to get buried. So, yeah, we thank you for, uh, you know, it's called Blindsided. It's with the Players' Tribune. We have access to some great people. we got Kurt Warner coming on. we got Bubba coming on. Uh, Kevin Love. Like, there's just so many guys, mm-hmm. and everybody's got a story. You know, you got Kip, you have a story, you know, and, and everybody's got a not. I mean, you know, I don't know, but, I mean, everybody's got a story of something like – you know, like the concussion that you had or, or, you know, so if we can get those stories out there to help people publicly uh, not feel so alone because athletes are supposed to be the tough of the tough, right? You're supposed to, and people look up to you, and if an athlete can go, hey, I can go get help and have a better life, you know, maybe it inspires somebody else to go do it as well um, because our suicide rates are off the charts, uh, you know, mental health issues, especially with COVID and what's going on. Um, but, you know, we're trying to make a difference, really. Uh, so that's that's really what it's all about. Corey, you you, uh, you co-host with a psychiatrist. It's Diana, or I'm sorry, Diane McIntosh. Yeah. And what's that like? I, I, I'd be, 
I'd be worried she's analyzing me while I'm doing the show. <laughs> uh, that's uh, we've. Uh, it's fun. You know what? She's the best. She's empathetic. She's compassionate. She's not trying to, you know, expose anybody or die. She just She's just trying to get their story, uh, and then and then kind of even be kind and compassionate towards their stories. But she is just. We did the Paul Bizonet episode, and it came out last week, and it is just. You know, everybody thought, you know, Biz was the spit and chicklets guy and, and all this. And, and if you know the other side of Biz and Matt, he is one of the kindest, best people you'll ever met. And yeah, he's made mistakes, but she pulls that story out of him and helps him, you know, feel good about himself and get a, a good show everyone. Like, she's just, she's amazing. And I'll, I'll tell you what, though. Um, she has a story, too. In the, in the 80s, when she was going into psychiatry, you know, late 80s, early 90s, her professor asked her why she would waste her life going into psychiatry. Like that was the stigma back then. Even the professors were like, you know, and it, what an awful thing to say. And look at the, what she's done in the world. She's just, she's helped people. And she, you know, I can't say enough good things about her. I can't say how lucky I am to be able to work with someone like her. She's absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, it's important stuff. And, you know, I, I find it interesting to translate it to present-day uh, NHL hockey, which, you know, it's a competitive league, and there are, yeah. you know, it's it's tough to be sensitive and also uh, hyper-competitive at the same time. So where do you stand on, like, you know, Tippett calls out Miko Koskinen. Koskinen says he doesn't like being thrown under the bus. You know, how do we draw the line between what's too far and what's what's fair for a motivational aspect uh, for an NHL coach? Yeah, you know what? It, it, like mental health wise, or just motivation, or, or what? Uh, you know, motivated guys are, are like with I didn't all of the Yeah, what, what's too far? Did they, I guess did they throw him out of the bus, the coach. In I didn't. Or? I didn't think so. In, in the in the press, yeah, he just said. Yeah, in the press, he just said that you know he made a brutal play. It's a brutal play, and it cost them. And Koskinen said he didn't didn't appreciate it in the in the press. You know, is that is it too far to take a shot at your own guy in the press, or is that uh, insensitive? No, I, you know what? I don't. I don't. I'm fit. I'm on the line with that. It's up to the coach, right? I mean, what are you trying to hide? Everybody saw it, right? Like, like what? What's the coach right. supposed to say? Protect? Lie? No. Somebody asked him. Hey, you know what? As a, even as you guys know, your job is to be, uh, you know, uh, is, is to never be malicious, but to be honest and, and fair. So when a guy makes a bad play, yeah, you got to say hey, it wasn't a great play. Uh, he's got to be better than that. But you know, on the same side, when the guy plays great, how many times has the coach and everybody said, you know, he was so great for us today. He was awesome for us today. We really, you know, and. But you say one bad thing, and they forget about all the all the positive, amazing things you say in the press. And mm-hmm. I believe in being honest, you know. And you lose care if a, if someone in the press asks you something about a play or whatever, and you start to dance around it and lie about it as a coach. Well, then you you lose you you, you know you lo- that's not you know you lose some integrity over that because people aren't stupid. So you know what I say. I'm 50-50 down the line. If it's not malicious and, and it was a, a poor play, hey, guess what? It was a poor play. But if it's malicious, you know, that's when I have a, have a, a problem with it. And, and, you know, that's not calling out somebody. That's being honest and saying, hey, yeah, it's got to be better. Uh, it was a bad play. Uh, so that's kind of where I stand on that. So I'm going to play the, the role of uh, Dr. Diane on the Real Kipper and Born Sweet. Show here. Oh, okay. Boy. 
So this is this is the way I see it, that I cannot control what my head coach says. Yep. But what I can control is that I've got two choices here. I can say, Dave Tippett, you're wrong, and I'm going to prove it to you. Or I can say, you're right, and possibly sink in a deeper hole. Yeah, and that's, well, if you're a professional athlete, or what does sinking in a deeper hole help you? Um, you know what, you have to, you have to be able to, exactly, you can't control what the coach says, but sinking in a deeper hole is not going to help you. So you have to take it as, um, I think, as, as professional criticism, and yeah, you got to be better. Uh, and know you got to be better. you got to challenge yourself to be better. Uh, and part of a coach's job is to motivate you. And like I said, if it's not malicious, take it as criticism, move on, be better. If it's malicious, uh, you know, where the coach says, yeah, he sucks, we want to get rid of him, blah, 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 uh, you know, then that's not cool. Then you can say, hey, that's not cool. But if, it, if a coach is being honest, he didn't play well enough, he made a bad play, well, hey, guess what? You didn't. <laughs> and... Um, that's that's I believe is kind of the way you have to take it, but you know that you have to you, as a professional athlete, you don't get to that level and and not try and be better. Um, so I I agree with you. You have to be able to control what you can control, and you have to just be better. Corey, because there's not like a ton of avenues for professional athletes, or there hasn't been in the past anyway, to find support and find a shoulder, you know, some, an ear willing to listen and help you work through your issues, you have made yourself that within the sport of the NHL. Do you now find that people come to you on a fairly consistent basis that the, in a way that surprises you? All the time. All the time. Yeah. I, I mean, I have people from, you know, I have friends. You know what? It's mostly retired guys. That'll move. That'll that'll come to you, and that's almost you know what I want is active players to come to me because I'm not going to say anything. You know I can help lead you right. in the right direction. I'm I'm not qualified to you know, diagnose you, but I can lead you in a direction. We can keep it quiet. We don't have to make it public. Nobody has to know. Your business is your business, and that's the one thing that you know. It's like if somebody hurt their knee, you might not even hear about it. Yeah, lower body injury, right? But heaven forbid someone, Carey Price, has to go in for mental health issues and, and you know, whatever it is. And, and into everybody hears about it and everybody's up in arms. Well, your brain is no different than your body. It's a physical piece of your body. It breaks. So why are we up in arms when someone's brain goes a little, you know, breaks or whatever, when, and their knee doesn't? Or their need us to. It's so ridiculous how we treat people, the stigma to it. And, um, you know, we need to help guys. I'll, I'll say this and I'll try and say it as quickly as I can, but um, the Canucks paid me a, a good salary. I mean, not what they're making today, of course, but the money that they paid me, and I had to hide and get my own help and not get help uh, from them. They lost that investment completely. They couldn't trade me. They couldn't do anything. So you've just lost that investment. You've lost that money. It's the same for a player today. I was a better goalie after I got help because when I was sick, I couldn't train. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. And it affected my play on the ice. So then I went and got help. And guess what? I was a better goalie. But because of the stigma, you get buried and flushed along the line. And that investment's just gone. So if you've got a guy making five million dollars this year, um, and he gets, and you just flush him because he's got a, an issue or something, when he'll be a better player if you get him help, 
that's not good asset management. And I, I don't mean to look at it from a money side, but business is business, right? That's how, that, that's how a business is going to look at it. Um, there is a human side of it, of course, but when you're talking business, well, you lost an asset that you paid a lot of money to uh, because you didn't get them the help they needed. And if a guy has to rehab his knee to get better, well, they'll go get him the help. But all of a sudden, he's got depression, and it's like, well, we can't trust this guy, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous. Well, the team the team awareness has improved dramatically the last few years, and it's, uh, it's people like you that have helped uh, speed it up, uh, Corey. So uh, wow, great thanks, work man. on that. Now, now I get to share this, the story where we are bonded for life. So as, <laughs> as Hershey had just mentioned that uh, he was there in 94 as one of the extra goalies for us, and it's game seven and I'm in. Mm-hmm. The one problem that I had all day was I had the biggest zit on my forehead <laughs> so here i am i'm getting ready for warm-up in game seven biggest game of my life and i call Corey hirsch over and i'm like hirsch I, I i can't go on hockey night in canada after i've just won the stanley cup with a big zit on my forehead can you can you run run across the street to the drugstore and get me some Clearasil, but not just any Clearasil, the cover-up one, the skin-toned cover-up one. And guess who went Just who? Guess who went and got it for me? Oh, I love it. Kip, whatever I can do to help you win, right, buddy? That was my, that was my role. Whatever, you know, guys say, hey, I'll fill water bottles, I'll do this, I'll do that, whatever. Hey, if you need Clearasil cover-up for your pimples, I got you covered. <laughs> Hey, full circle. This show's full circle because at the beginning, I, I told these guys, see, it's it takes 24, 25 guys to win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> they don't, people out there, they don't know that look good, feel good, play good is a very real axiom to live by. It's important, Kipper. Oh, man. Well, Kipper, hey, we needed a therapist for each player individually. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Hey, hey. Give oh us, give us Dr. Diane's number. Give us her cell number. Going <laughs> right? to make her rich. Yeah. Sorry, Kep. I don't think she can help you, buddy. <laughs> hey, uh, she, Corey, thank you. she is the best. So. Yeah. Great. Well, good on you, man. We really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, be well. Chat soon. All right. Thanks, Hershey. Corey thanks, Hirsch, guys. NHL analyst and Olympic medalist. I mean, that he's got a, a Stanley Cup ring and an Olympic medal. Well, and you know, just to his point, I'm not sure it it still is where it needs to be. But the awareness of teams and what he's talking about, and when you've put so much time, money into certain players, man, you better have that mental part covered. I mean, could you imagine in your day someone doing what Jonathan Drouin did last year where he said, I don't feel good, guys. I, you know, I'm anxious. It's costing me sleep. Now I have insomnia. I am a fraction of the human I can be. That team went on a Stanley Cup run and continued to do the right thing by keeping him out of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, I give them full credit and the league full credit that this is something that is becoming closer to accepted, getting guys right. It's an injury. Yeah, it is. It, it, I'm not sure, again, it's, it's where it needs to be because I honestly feel like there are some teams that say um, – you know, we're not in the mental uh, health right. business. We're in the winning business. So I'm not sure 
at times how patient they are still on some guys. But again, that's that's their decision to make because they're ultimately the ones that that stroke the check. But you know, I don't know that is it, it's ever is it better than it was before. Absolutely. But at the same time, I don't know that it's ever fully avoidable that this is going to be, you know, it's high-level professional competitive sports. Let's say you're not feeling great mentally, but you're a fringe player. You know you've got to go. If, if you can't go, if you can't play, if you can't be available, it, it does hurt your stock. And so it's it's going to be a thing, and so it is impo- important that guys have support for yeah. that. And it is, it is a, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is a two-way street. And yeah. sometimes you you gotta you gotta pull back a little bit, and sometimes you gotta push forward, and you hope that between the player and employee, and I I just not hockey, but life in general, you know, when you're in a working environment, you gotta know where that line is. When I, I can't go to work anymore, or I need help, and you, you just hope that there's a the meeting of the minds that says uh, we're here in this place together, because it just can't be, you know, one side that. Uh, mm-hmm that pushes hard and the other one doesn't. So whether it's team player, player team, uh, you, you got to find that common place. And to your point, Montreal, Jonathan Duran, they got there where, Hey, playoffs, Stanley cup is not more important than you getting your health in order. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, it's uh it's for the better and we're going to see better hockey players for it. And I like the point that Hirsch make that there's a practical one in terms of getting the most out of guys and, and your investment. Fun today with Aaron Ward, Brian Lawton, Corey Hirsch, Liam McHugh. Doing great work for TNT as well. All right, boys, we got one more tomorrow. Tee up the Leafs and Colorado on Saturday. Ooh, real hockey. Let's go. Real hockey. Keep it going. Sammy and Dylan Brown, who is our technical producer today. Thanks, Dylan. And we're right back tomorrow on Real Kipper and Born. Thanks, everybody.